Well, as we uh, prepare to really think about the, uh, the reality of the resurrection in our lives and what it means to, um, to really celebrate the, 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 the fact that Jesus lives, let's, let's pray together. Let's ask God to speak again th- into our lives. Let's pray. Lord, we come, and, and we know we have much to celebrate today. Jesus has risen. He has risen. He is alive. And God, as we look into one of the resurrection stories in Scripture, we, we invite you to come by your Spirit and, and, and to, um, to speak. As we often ask you, Lord, but come and call us forward. Call us, Lord, into a greater sense of faith and a greater sense of relationship and a greater sense of commitment of our lives to the risen Christ. And this we pray in his name. Amen. Well, I want to talk today about three, a three-stage process which at times all of us live through. And they come uh, when we experience change in our lives, change that has significance. The three stages, st- stages are these. There is orientation, which is followed by disorientation, which is then followed by reorientation. Don't know if you've heard of that before, but let me explain it to you. As I do, can I ask you to consider your own life, to think about some significant changes that have happened in your experience, and just to see if if you have lived through this process already. I would guess you have, uh, most of us anyway. So the first of these uh, steps, stages, is the stage of orientation. This is when life, if you would, is normal. This is when we're doing life in in a way that we might say this is life as it ought to be. This is the way life should be. It's predictable. It's stable. We're relatively comfortable in the stage of orientation. It's just life. But then something happens. A change comes, and we move from orientation to a disorientation. This, uh, this, This happens when... Something happens so that we're, we're not experiencing that stability anymore. We're not living in that dynamic where things are known and have always been this way. We're living in a place where, where, where something, if you would, has, has been tossed into our life and life has been thrown up into the air and we're experiencing a, a disorientation. Things aren't the same as what they normally are. And it's not easy. It's a difficult time. Then after that, we come to the stage of reorientation in life when a new reality sets in. We come to accept the change that has come upon us and uh, we form, if you would, a new normal, a new way of living that we're comfortable with, a new way of living that, again, becomes predictable and stable for us. Have you lived through that sequence, do you think? Have things happened in your life? Has change come into your life when you move from orientation to disorientation to reorientation? Well, I want to tell you that uh, uh, this, is, this is fairly common in life and something I think today particularly we can learn much from. I'm going to uh, uh, just apply this a little bit to some experiences that you might have had. Uh, you know, we, this happens when we, we are experiencing life, and then someone close to us passes away. Life has been normal, but all of a sudden, significant change comes, and we're living with disorientation. And we have to think about what life is going to become. It isn't normal anymore. What is the new normal going to become? 
And we move through disorientation and a bit of confusion, and we find our way. This happens sometimes when you're in a marriage, and marriage is normal till you discover a spouse has been unfaithful to you, and it's no longer normal, is it? And your head spins a little bit, and you wonder what, you're, you know, what to, to think about this and what this all might mean and what actually you're going to do. Disorientation. It happens when a child leaves home or maybe gets married. It happens when you have a long-standing job that you're comfortable with and you lose your job and you're not quite sure what the future is going to bring, where you, how you're going to be able to provide for yourself and for family. And you need to look forward to getting beyond disorientation to a reorientation when you find a new job. See, the, the, the practice, the, the process, it's, it's really quite common. I want to suggest that on the first Easter Sunday, 30 A.D., long time ago now, two disciples of Jesus were experiencing significant disorientation. Their lives had changed dramatically. They had followed Jesus. They had put their hope in him. They believed in Jesus and what he had to say until he was crucified two days previous, three days previous on uh, sorry, two days on, on obviously the Friday. And in that moment, everything changed for them. They went from what was normal, they went from what they considered stable and what they anticipated to something dramatically different and uh, a challenge was brought into their lives. So I'm going to read you that story in its entirety today. We're going to read from Luke chapter 24, uh, verses 13 to 35. It's entitled in the NIV, The Road to Emmaus. It says this. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. What is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scripture concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. 
Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And that's a remarkable story. I have thought this week, can you imagine being one of those two people having had that encounter with Jesus? Can you imagine having your eyes opened in a moment to recognize who he was, the Son of God risen from the dead, sitting at your table, and then to see him disappear? It's a remarkable story that these two people went through. But listen, at the beginning of their time in this text, they are significantly disappointed. They had hoped in Jesus. They had put their hope in Jesus to save Israel from Rome and its power and its oppression. And their hopes had been dashed. And they were confused. You know, they didn't understand why Jesus had died. It didn't make sense to them. It just wasn't something they could compute, if you want to put it that way. And added to that, then, are the stories which they've heard. The stories of the women who went to the tomb, and they see the stone rolled away, and they go in and they speak to the angels who tell them that Christ isn't here, he is alive. And they hear the stories of, of, of Peter and, and the other disciple, likely John, who ran to the tomb based on the witness of the women, and they looked in and there was no body. You see, these stories wouldn't have made sense to these men. It, it, it would have been difficult for them to wrap their head around. It would have been confusing. Other people, it seems, had drawn their conclusion, but these two just don't know what to think about what they have heard. And then Jesus, without them knowing, of course, who he was, he comes and walks alongside them and he starts to talk to them. And I want to tell you, my friends, this is the, the first point of contact in this story for us as we think about application. Because the reality is, even we, before we have come to know Jesus, before we have come to recognize him, before we have certainly come to believe in him, to see and understand him, he is with us. You know that? He's there. He's ready to help. He's ready to speak into our minds. He's ready to inform us. He's ready to help us understand and to see. I don't know if I'm speaking to anybody today who may have heard about this Jesus who died on a cross and then who rose to life, and you don't quite understand what it's all about. I want to tell you that can come. But I also want you to know that Christ is, is with you, and he's ready to help you understand. In our own way, we begin to hear the Lord Jesus speaking into our minds, and a process begins of Jesus making himself known to us. See, anybody who has come to belief has lived through this. They've, they've experienced this, this gentle progression from really understanding nothing and then maybe being confused to coming to that place of recognizing Christ is with me. And as he speaks into their minds and as he speaks into their hearts, they begin to understand about this person and what he has done for them in his death and then in his resurrection. Well, what Jesus does then 
is to point them to Scripture. Oh, this incredible book, this, uh, this book inspired by God's Holy Spirit. And what he does is point them to the evidence in Scripture that's, that, that is given there of himself, what the Messiah uh, would do and what he would have to go through. Now, these two, these two men would have known the Old Testament, which is their Scripture in that day. And they would have known about the prophets that Jesus was referencing. But I want to tell you, my friends, even though they knew the Old Testament, they were still blind, think of it, couldn't see Jesus in the text. They hadn't done that before, obviously, or they would have understood. So, without opening their eyes yet, Jesus begins to open their understanding to what God's plan has been from the beginning of time. If you would, the light begins to dawn through their referencing Scripture and the numerous times the prophets pointed forward to Jesus, speaking of a Messiah to come, defining his role, speaking as to what he would have to go through. This is a spiritual dawning of light, if you would. Um, And again, we all go through it as we come to Jesus. There's an experience that we know. And then as the story goes along, as they continue to walk along, they come to that place where Jesus is ready to carry on, but these two men invite Jesus to stay with them. The text says that they strongly urged him to stay. Note those words. They were intent about this. They did not want Jesus to carry on. They really wanted uh, him to stay in their lives, and they were intrigued by what he said, and they wanted to know more about the things that he was teaching. Later on, it says in the text that they admit that their hearts were burning within them. Ah, there's something going on in the lives of these men. I want to suggest to you that is evidence of God at work in in their lives, in their hearts, in their minds. The Spirit of God is calling them to Christ and to faith. Ever had that experience? Maybe having it now? Well, it's interesting the possibilities that we we are seeing in this story to this point. Obviously, as I've spoken to it, the idea, the possibility that Jesus is present to us and we don't know. Secondly, the possibility that we can invite Jesus to stay with us. We can invite Christ into our lives. We can say, Jesus, don't go beyond me. Stay with me. Stay in my presence. Be in relationship with me. And then, of course, by implication, there's the possibility that We don't invite Jesus to stay, and he does indeed carry on. But with these two, there's something, as I've said, that's going on in their lives, and they are eager for more of a relationship with Jesus, the living, resurrected Jesus. They want to understand the things of God, spiritual things, and the reality of Christ. Well, Can I suggest that there's a profound question here for all of us to consider? Especially at Easter time, especially as we're looking into this story of the resurrected Jesus revealing himself to these men. I would suggest to you that question is very simply, what will we do with Jesus? What will we do with this one? And the Bible says has gone from death to life the Son of God, (laughs) come into the world to die on a cross, then being raised to new life by God himself. 
You know, we can let him carry on. Or we can become aware of his presence and we can invite him into our experience, into our lives. And we can seek to get to know him better. I want to suggest that's what Jesus wants. Well, then comes two remarkable verses. Let me read them to you again. Verses 30 and 31. When he, Jesus, was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Oh, what powerful verses. But did you recognize that it sounded all familiar, that first verse, when it says that he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them? I'll tell you, my friends, they, some of those words are the words that Jesus spoke on the Thursday night previous when Jesus established the Lord's Supper as a practice that Christians would follow for thousands of years, which we still practice. It, it was then, my friends, it was then that God opened the eyes of these two men. A remarkable moment. It was then that God enabled them to see who Jesus was. It was then, in that moment, that God allowed them the grace to believe. And to understand what God had done in Christ through death and resurrection. In the breaking of the bread, listen. As Jesus broke the bread, as Jesus distributed the bread, in the breaking of the bread, Christ was identified to them. You see, it, it, it's his telling them, in a sense, yes, I am the Savior. But I, I, I haven't saved you by rising up in power and overthrowing uh, a cruel and violent oppressor. It's not why I've come. What he's saying is, I've saved you by dying in weakness, allowing my body to be broken, allowing myself to become the Lamb of God, sacrificed for the forgiveness of sins. Again, these two people would know the Old Testament and they would under the, understand temple sacrifice. And the, the light would have dawned on them as they began to recognize what Jesus had actually done. What Jesus was saying to them, you know, what you needed, my friends, was not salvation pri primarily from an external force. Nothing external to you. What you needed saved from was that which is internal to you. The power of sin. Which, from which you need, need forgiveness so that you might enter into a relationship with God. You see, my friends, he was saying, you know, that's why I allowed my body to be broken. Look at the bread. Look and see what I've done for you. Look and see. Hmm. Isn't that beautiful? And in the seeing, understand the sacrifice. 
And then in a sacrifice, understand the plan of God, the purpose of God for, for my life, Jesus was saying. And in the sacrifice, understand my love for you and for this world. Text says then, as soon as they recognized Jesus, as soon as they saw him for who he was, Jesus disappeared. He left them. My friends, I want to suggest to you that in that moment, having moved from orientation to disorientation, they moved into reorientation based on the reality of the person of the resurrected Jesus. All of a sudden, this one whom they had seen and spoken to and had come fully to believe in, well, he became the foundational reality of their life, of their lives together. It was no longer the report of others about a resurrected Jesus. Now they had experienced him themselves. And when, what happens then is they get up and remarkably they decide to travel seven miles back to Jerusalem. That's a long way. But they, they were eager to do so. They knew they needed to do so. They had a message to share. There was something astounding that they had encountered in Christ. And there they hear that Simon has seen Jesus alive. And they share their own stories. And listen to me, along with others who had seen Jesus and who would see Jesus, they become part of a movement that would change the world. No longer then do they call Jesus a prophet, powerful as he might have been in their minds. Here and now they refer to him as the Lord. The Lord of all creation. The Lord who has come back to his world to make it new and to restore it for the glory of God. My friends, what I'm describing to you, this is the Easter message. This is not simply a cultural Christianity which people embrace because they've grown up with it. This is not mild, a mild experience of religiosity. This is not a matter of religious activity only. No, this is being with and hearing from and seeing and understanding Jesus risen from the dead. This is an experience of the living Christ in their lives. I want to tell you this, my friends. That's what Easter can be for us. That's what Easter is intended to be for us. An experience of Jesus. Maybe speaking to you through me and through his word. I hope so. Certainly by his Holy Spirit. It's an experience of Christ who comes to us and we experience the reality of God. And he opens our eyes to see and he, and he helps us understand what God was about then, what God is about now. So that if we wish, we can invite him to stay with us. So that if we wish, we can invite Christ to be our Lord. So that in that relationship and in that dynamic, quite literally, we find a new purpose to life. Is that you? 
See, Jesus, I'll say it again, he became the foundational reality of their lives. And when we encounter him in this way, the living Jesus, he becomes the foundational reality in our lives. Remarkable that that's a possibility. Oh, but what a change it brings. Orientation to disorientation to a reorientation around the person of Jesus. He becomes our new normal. Seeing and hearing and understanding from him becomes our new normal. Us being fully and wholly committed to Christ is the new normal. Our priorities being changed from what they once were to what Christ has for us becomes normal. Us having a new purpose becomes our life. All because Jesus has come, the living Christ has come into our lives, and we have invited him to stay. See, my friends, here's what I want you to know. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that you could have him in your life, so that you could be forgiven of your sins, so that you could be reconciled to God. And then Jesus rose from the grave so that he could be at the center of your life. So that he could be your Lord. So this Easter Sunday morning, can I ask you, can I invite you to let Jesus capture your hearts as he captured the hearts of these two men? Can I invite you to follow Jesus as they eagerly went on to do? Can I invite you to make Jesus the foundational reality of your life around which everything else rotates, everything else forms, so that he enables you to move into reorientation. You know, it doesn't matter what has yet to come in your life, whether you lose people, whether you struggle in marriage, whether you lose a job, whether children move on. It doesn't matter what the reorientation is, the orientation to disorientation to reorientation. Jesus will be with you. (laughs) And he'll lead you through those phases. But he'll be foundational. And he will be your strength and he will be your guide and he will be your peace. And he will be your hope. Because he has risen from the dead. He is alive, and he is with you. Let's pray. Lord, sometimes we think of our faith and even our relationship with you, and it seems unremarkable to us, but that's simply because we don't fully understand what a remarkable thing you have done for us in Christ. Lord, on Good Friday, we we thought about, we dwelt in the understanding of Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf and we worshipped. Now, Lord, this Easter Sunday morning, we, we reflect and we remember and we understand and we see how the risen Christ, just as he revealed himself to those men so long ago, he still comes into people's lives and he still reveals himself and he still gives understanding so that our lives can be based on him.
(laughs) new commitment, new priorities, new purpose. God, a new love. Father, I want to pray for people who are listening today and, and they haven't come to that place yet. Maybe they're like these disciples, having heard of Jesus but not understanding. Lord, I pray you'll reveal yourself to them, that you'll open their eyes, that you'll help them to move through the process to come to that place of recognizing Jesus. He's right there with them. He's alive. He's speaking. And he wants to stay with them. God, if there's anyone in that circumstance, I just, I pray that they will have the wisdom and the desire to open their lives to you and say, Lord Jesus, come in. Forgive me for all my sin. Take it away. And let me follow you forever. Lord, for those people who are listening who, oh, maybe a long time ago they have come to see Jesus and know that he's with them, know that he's alive, I pray, Lord, for a fresh, recognition of the remarkable fact that Christ has risen and Christ is with us and that he is our Lord. I pray for those folks, Lord. I pray that they will renew their commitment to the Lord Jesus, that they will understand their purpose, that they will lean more heavily into that relationship of love which they have with Christ. And I pray, Lord, that they will know him is the foundational reality of life, and that they will live for him, the risen Lord. Lord, what a remarkable Sunday this is in the year when we celebrate Jesus. We thank you for him. We thank you for his work on the cross, and we thank you for his resurrection. And we thank you, our God, for new life in Christ. And this we pray together in the name of Jesus. Amen.